Verse 9, so we prayed. We prayed to our God. Up to this time, Nehemiah has been doing the praying. But now, look, all the people are praying. This is what leaders do. Leaders don't just speak. They show the way. They demonstrate it. And people are getting the idea. And now they're praying. We prayed to our God, and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. So Nehemiah sets up this alarm system day and night. He believes in the sovereignty of God, so he prays. But he also believes that we're responsible. There's human responsibility, so he sets a guard. It's fine at night to put your family in the hands of God and say, Lord, would you take care of us tonight, but also lock the door. In the early colonies, the, the early uh, folks here in the United States used to tell one another, trust God and keep your powder dry. Sometimes, in spite of everything, you just get discouraged. You just get beat down. Verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies will attack. And do you know when discouragement tends to happen? When the wall is halfway up. And you have any half-finished projects in your home? Anything in the garage? Anything in a a closet. You begin a project, it's, it's exciting. You begin a job, it's exciting. You have a baby, it's so exciting. Six weeks later, it's 50 diaper, diapers a day, and there's no sleep. And that job, the newness has worn off. And that project, well, I just don't think I want to work on that. I have a friend who was, who was working 80 hours a week, and he came to me and he said, um, Sam, I think I need to rededicate my life. I said, you don't need to rededicate your life. You need a vacation. You need some time off. There are four causes of discouragement in the text that we just read, and one is fatigue. These people are just, they're working all day. They're standing guard all night. There's no break. They're just, they're just tuckered out, and it's hard to be up when physically you're down. Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes, makes cowards of all of us. So there's fatigue and there's frustration. There's so much rubble. Anybody ever renovate your house? It's like trash multiplies like rabbits. There's plaster everywhere. And it just becomes a little frustrating. And when you're tired and there's just a lot of junk around, things don't look so bright. Little piles of trash look like a looks like mountains. Anybody here have any rubble in your life? Things that are consuming your time, consuming your energy, just get in the way. Some of us have no margin at all. We have no margin financially. We have no margin emotionally. Just all the rubble, all the stuff. So there's fatigue, there's frustration. Here's a third one. There's failure. They said, we cannot rebuild the wall. You hear that? We tried. We, we, before, we, we can't. And when you're tired, everything looks impossible. You start second-guessing yourself. You, you lose confidence. So what do you do when you feel like you failed? Pity party? Poor me. I'm a victim. Peter failed miserably, and the Lord Jesus restored him, which teaches me that for Christians, failure, failure is not final. Would you repeat those words for me? Failure is, failure is not final. Failure is not final. It's temporary. It's an education. 
But the Lord, failure is not final. Some of us have some failures that we carry around with us, feel the weight of it. There's a place to go with that. It's to the Lord. So fatigue, frustration, failure. Here's a fourth one. Fear, our enemies will attack us. Verse 11 says, also our enemies said before they know it, or see us, we will be right there among them. We'll work to kill them and put an enemy, uh, put an end to their work. The quickest way to spread a rumor is to feed on people's fears. Stalin said one time, if you tell a lie long enough, people will begin to believe it. Verse 12, at that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all distance, all directions, and said to us 10 times, you must return to us. The Jews who did not walk work on the wall had time to spread a rumor about the people who were working on the wall. Does that ever happen in church? Does it ever happen that people who will not serve and do not serve yet stand back and criticize those who are? Say, Sam, you've stopped preaching and gone to meddling. Well, those are some causes of discouragement. So how does Nehemiah help his people deal with fear and fatigue and frustration just flat discouragement. What does he do? He does five things. Number one, he reinforces the areas that are the weakest. Verse 13 says, so in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in the open places, I stationed the people by their clans, their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Where the wall is only just a couple of feet high, Nehemiah goes in and reinforces that area. He puts people there. He's reinforcing the gaps that are in the wall. So just raises the question, any weak areas in your life? Any weak areas? What are you doing with them? Ignore them? There's something with them. I'm really just weak in reading the Bible. Then find a different way to read it. I was, I was going to a restaurant with a, with a lawyer one time, and he said, Sam, I want you to listen to this. And he had a disc. He put it in the, and it's someone reading the Bible. And he says, I've never, did you know that there are discs with people reading the Bible? I said, that's pretty cool. He said, the Bible has come alive to me. He's using something different, a weakness. He's reinforcing a weakness in his life. And number two, he gives them a reason to fight. I station some of the people at the lower parts of the wall, posting them by families. Until now, the builders have been separated from their families. And you can just see Nehemiah grabbing people and saying, Shaw family, mom, bring a skillet. Kids, bring a stick and a, a, a rock. Dad, bring, bring a spear. Bring something. You guys stand right here. You and your family, don't let them come through. They may kill you, but you stand here. And dad is looking at his family and he says, if I run, my family's going to be wiped out. He gives them a reason to fight, stations them by families. After this, I looked things over. I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord is great and awesome. Fight for your brothers and your daughters and your homes. Can I say a word to the members of Fellowship Bible Church? When we talk about rising up and build, it is not only or primarily about us who are here. It is about the next generation. It is about our children and our grandchildren. So when we call for people to go down to the nursery and hold those little babies or play with those toddlers, 
We're investing God's love, demonstrating it, singing little songs over those babies, playing with those toddlers and helping them to know that God loves them so much. We're investing in the next generation. We are, and we won't, we won't quit by, we won't quit doing that. When we tell uh, young people, there is a God you can count on when things are going like crazy in your life and you don't know what to do. When we tell young adults, you can do this, you can make it with God's help, you can. We're investing in the next generation. And you know what breaks my heart? I have met so many young adults who want a mentor. They don't want someone to control them. They don't want someone to tell them what to do. They would like someone to listen to them. And if there's any wisdom, to share that with them. And what's so frustrating to me is I go to adults, older adults like myself, and I say, would, would you link up with this young man, with this young woman, and just, just be there as, a, as an older friend? And so many of us who have been through 50 years of Bible study fellowship, and we watched every Beth Moore video there is, and I hear people say, well, I can't do anything. I don't know anything. We have to give people a reason to fight, and that is their families and the next generation. There's a third thing that Nehemiah does. He reminds people of their source of strength. What did he say that renewed their confidence? Remember the Lord. That's where our confidence comes from. He says, remember the Lord. And here's what's so interesting. Lots of battles have been fought when someone said, remember something. After the Spanish-American War, remember the Maine. Here in Texas, remember the Alamo. World War II, remember Pearl Harbor. And what is so interesting is all of those remembers are based on defeats. defeats. Nehemiah does the exact opposite. He doesn't say, remember our defeat. Remember we got exiled to Babylon. He says, remember the Lord. He's saying, let's look to the future. Let's get our eyes off of the rubble and off of the weariness, and let's get our eyes on the Lord, just like David, young a runt of the litter, <laughs> comes out to the battlefield and sees the giant who is nine feet, six inches tall and weighs about 400 pounds. He's a massive, massive beast. And David, and he's blaspheming the God of Israel. And David says, why doesn't somebody do something? And his brothers say, because he's really big. And David says, I'll do something. And I love it. He runs toward the battlefield. He runs toward the battlefield. And he says, you will find out that there is a God in Israel who is great and awesome. Uses his skill, knocks the giant down. He needs a sword, takes the, the, the giant's own sword, cuts his head off, and then goes after the Philistines. And all that happens in about 15 seconds. Because one man remembers the Lord, remembers what God can do with one person who trusts Him. What do you do when you're afraid? What do you do when you're discouraged? Remember the Lord. You remember what He's like. Don't be afraid of the Remember the Lord who's great and awesome. I'm reading a book at home about the fear of God, and the author of this book says, the fear of God will replace or lessen or weaken the fear of other people in your life. You're going to fear someone. You're going to fear something. He says, fear the Lord. One day, uh, one morning, 
I got up early and I was pacing around in the hallway of this motel or hotel because we were going into, I was going into a meeting. I did not know how it was gonna, what was going to happen. I was being very fearful. I'm rehearsing some things I wanted to say, and I'm just pacing. I couldn't sleep all night long. I'm just pacing. My wife comes out of the bedroom, and she says, Sam, you know the source of your strength. Then she goes back to bed. You know the source of your strength. When our enemies, verse 15, heard that we were aware of their plot, that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. He's not, the enemy's not as tough as we thought. Four, he refuses to fight alone. Verse 16, from that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears and bows and arrows. And the officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. And those who carried materials did the work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. So they got a trowel and they've got a sword, one in each hand. Each of the builders wore his sword by his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. And I said to the nobles and officials, the work is extensive and spread out. And we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there and our God will fight for us. So they're working all over the city. And Nehemiah says, when you hear a trumpet blowing, everybody run to that area because we know the enemy's there and we will fight them together, rally at the point of need, which leads me to say everybody in this room is fighting a battle somewhere. Now, we fight it on different battlefields, but we're all fighting a battle, and you need people around you to encourage you, which is why we all need to be in a small group. And you need to be encouraging people around you. Two weeks ago, I hiked the Grand Canyon, the most physically challenging thing I've ever done. Four and a half miles down on a zigzag trail. Six miles across country inside the canyon. And then walking up four and a half miles. Walking upstairs in one day. The last mile and a half I was walking like an old drunk man. Just <laughs> like this. You say, why did you do it? And how did you do it? I'll tell you why. Because a guy named Frank Sindelar, for the last 18 years, every Tuesday, texts me and he says, how you doing, Sam? Are you walking with Jesus? Are you thinking outside the box? How can I pray for you? And he ends his text with this word, persevere. Every Tuesday for 18 years. So he calls me and says, hey, you want to hike the Grand Canyon? Yeah, with you. Well, how did you get out? I mean, I'm... I'm just exhausted more than I can say. It's because there were 11 men coming out with me, encouraging each other. One had heat exhaustion. We all gathered around and we poured hot, cold, cold water on him and helped to get his feet in some cold water And because we did it together and Nehemiah refuses to fight alone. Elijah had Elisha. David had Jonathan. Jesus had the 12. Even the Lone Ranger had Tano. I mean, he just refused to fight last of all. He refuses to. He just refuses to quit. Verse 21, so we continued to work. Half of the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out at night. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay in Jerusalem at night. All of you people who've come in from the suburbs or you're from outside of town, stay here. We, we need you. 
so they can serve us as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. What are you tempted to give up? Where are you tempted to give in? I'm not saying you're working at a job and you're losing money and it's not, I'm not saying you don't reevaluate. Of course you do. But what are, what are you tempting to give up? A marriage? Some kids? Career? An idea? A ministry? The church? Never, never, never give up. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up on the stage for just a moment because we're going to sing. So worship team, come on up. Did you ever see the movie Glory? Glory? Just a, uh, what a movie. It's about the 54th black infantry in the Civil War. Denzel Washington is in it, Morgan Freeman. And at one point, Morgan Freeman looks at Denzel Washington, who is so full of hate and so full of anger. And Morgan Freeman says, our time has come. We're going to ante up. We're going to kick in like men. That's kind of like you and me. We live in a wicked time. Things are just going down all around us. What are you going to do? When things are going down, what are you going to do? It's a transition time in our church. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Our time has come. Time to rise and build. At the end of this month, the last Sunday of this month, we're going to have a sharing service. And the sermon time is going to be given over to people. You can come. You can come to a microphone and say, you know, for me, rise up and build. Here's what that means. But I'm going to be on the wall. You can count on me. I hope that you will not miss that day. Nehemiah said, our God will fight for us. Don't be afraid. And I want to close by saying our God has fought for us. In a garden where there was so much anguish and anxiety on Jesus that his capillaries burst in his forehead and he sweat blood rather than sweat. And he went to the cross for the joy set before him. He endured the shame because he would not back away. He has fought for us. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I hope you'll do it today. This would be a great day to give your life to Christ. If there's some young families around you, I hope that you're the kind of person who says, you know what, I'd like to get to know you. If I can ever serve you, if I can bring a meal, whatever, I, I, I want to do that. Whatever it means for you to rise up and build. Let's stand together. And we're going to sing. And when we finish, our prayer team is going to be here at the front. And if we can pray for you about anything, we would love to do that. So let's sing together. commands all the hosts of heaven who else could make every king bow down 
understanding that he will fight for you. If we could be praying for you, please come forward. We'll have folks available to serve you in that way. God bless you. Don't forget to give blood here on the south parking lot blood bank. <laughs> 